Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dandy Francesco and I am the deputy editor of Cellside Technology. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Malaki, the U.S. editor. Good to be here. So, great to be here. It's Friday, a little bit more laid back today. Uh, Anthony and I wanted to hold off on going Thursday just because of all the fun stuff that we were doing on Thursday and Clearly, a lot happened <laughs> um, in between Thursday and Friday. Before I get we get to the Brexit, which we're going to talk about, and before we get to some of the places that Anthony and I were at, uh, let's just start do a quick recap. Yesterday, or last week, if you didn't catch it, we had uh, Blackstone head of technology, William, better known as Bill Murphy. Um, I thought he did a fantastic job. Clearly, the listeners did too, as it's shooting up our charts. One of the the most uh, listened to episode of our entire series. Anthony, what was your takeaway? How do you think Bill was? I mean, it's very informative you know, to have C-level guys like that and somebody who's very well-respected in the industry. It's great to have him on. I um, actually had forwarded the uh, podcast on to one of my friends who works at a broker-dealer uh, here in the city. Yeah, and he's uh, you know, just be like, listen, there's some interesting stuff here about how you should kind of go about you know, for interviews and stuff like that, they should listen to. And, you know, he said that was very, you know, very good. So, you know, give you a good idea as to how, you know, he views technology. And then also it's good for vendors to see how to pitch him and also people that maybe one day want to work sure. with Blackstone. Yeah, it's 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 one thing when you or I tell uh, tell somebody on the podcast, oh, you should do this or this. It's another thing when the head of technology of a massive firm says, this is how you should be pitching me. This is how you, you know, that's it, that's holds a little bit more true. So, no, I thought it was great. And um, I, was, uh, I was glad he came in. He was nice enough to come in. To that point... Uh, we are working on some other guests. I'm not going to name any names. I'm not going to name any dates because I made that mistake last time and we had to wait. But <laughs> if you're listening and you think, hey, I could be a good guest, I'd be interesting to talk. I'd be this chair is making a lot of noise. Um, I'd be I'd be an interesting person. When I start to talk talking, about. we can switch out your chair. <laughs> I'd be an interesting person to to talk on the podcast. Uh, let us uh let us know. Shoot us an email and um let us know if you if you'd be interested in getting on because we're always looking to try to get, you know. Interesting, good guess. But uh, to that point, now to get to the biggest topic of the day, of the week, of the month, maybe even of the summer. Um, this is one of the bigger stories that will maybe be the year. For, for decades, I would say, to come. All right, well then for decades, there you go. Uh, Brexit, the British exit. The referendum was voted on last night, and uh, Britain is out of the EU. Uh, now, this hits particularly close to home for us because we are a British-based company. Incisive Media's headquarters is right in the heart of London. We have a ton of Brits working with us, our colleagues, our friends. So, uh, personally, I was I was out of office yesterday running around doing a couple things. But, Anthony, you had a unique experience watching Brexit. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, me and uh, some of the guys uh, from our sister publication, Risk Magazine, um, went out to the Churchill Tavern on 28th Street in Manhattan, British pub. Uh, we went there for the uh, British election. And, you know, they, they, it's always a good rowdy crowd that's in there. And, you know, when we went in there, you know, all the major polls were saying, you know, it's going to be close, but it's going to be that Britain will vote to stay. And I can never, in, in the Internet age where data is so readily available... I can never recall a poll where every single major reputable like uh, poll said it will happen one way and then the result ends up something different. Like sometimes you see 80-20 and the 20 wins. This was 100-0, to zero, you know, basically. It just said it was going to be close. So 
we went into the night, you know, with the underpinning that, you know, okay, this is going to be fun, you know, it'll eventually be stay, but it'll be fun, you know, if it's a good little horse race going along. Well, you know, the, you know, we're many drinks in by, you know, midnight, 12.30, 1 o'clock, once the realization kind of started to set in that, oh, man, this is going to happen. So um, I think on our part for Waters Technology, um, I obviously didn't do, because I really thought it was going to be stay. So I was like, I'm not going to put in a ton of effort to see, excuse me, uh, what the implications are should, you know, should there be an exit. Um, bad work on my part. Good lesson learned. Never Sounds assume. like the, the entire financial <laughs> industry did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you had to put in the legwork. So, but just looking at it, reading some articles and then, you know, just in what conversations that we've had with people in the past, I think that the major things are, you know, London was really kind of shooting up the charts as a fintech hub. Um, there were some, you know, I remember there was a survey out that said that L- London will overtake Silicon Valley as the, you know, fintech center, um, startup development center uh, in the world. Um, there are going to be questions around attracting new talent. You know, if the fintech scene falls off in London because of this, if it's more difficult for employees to move around or to have, you know, freedom that they had before then it might make it more difficult for them to trap top-tier talent, which is always a challenge anyway in and of itself. Obviously, we've written a lot about that. Um, also, you know, does the pound, you know, will the pound take a hammering and does that hurt, you know, raising money for new ventures? Um, do firms decide, you know, we're going to go to Paris, we're going to go to Frankfurt, you know, we're going to go to Prague, wherever. Uh, so these are going to be some questions that are going to play out. Um, and then, you know, does the EU fall apart now because of this? And then that will have even more implications. So there, this is going to take two years um, to establish how the Brexit will work. Um, so there's a lot to be, you know, you can't flip out today. There's nothing that's changing as of today right now. Um, but I think those are kind of the things that we'll have to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing to me that stands out is the fintech. I think that, you know, you look... I've done a lot of reporting on fintech hubs and banks opening up innovation labs and you know right there with Silicon Valley is London you know pretty much hand in hand and uh, you know specifically in the blockchain space I know you know you're gonna you can't see Anthony's rolling his eyes but specifically in the blockchain space uh, really London is looked at basically essentially as a hub you know almost a headquarter in terms of the work that's done there around the blockchain and now with the brexit, that could have a huge impact on the space and you want to talk about setbacks or you know a shift in things that could really 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 impact the space um you know i just i made this joke on twitter but what really cracks me up is the pr companies working for these various software firms emailing me saying hey you know this is why our product is so important for catastrophe impact catastrophe situations like this it can impact the market we'll let you know ahead of time we'll well, you guys didn't let us know ahead of time about this because no one was aware of this. It didn't seem like no one was predicting this. So you didn't really, you know, pump your brakes on saying you're predicting or you guys are so important because here we are and look at the market. Look at what, you know, what the, the pound's the lowest it's been in. I believe it's 31 years. So big impact. Um, later side of things, the uh, the Internet has stepped its game up with the crying Jordan memes uh, absolutely fantastic. I've seen a couple of them that have been hilarious. Uh, if you don't know what it is, Michael Jordan, famous NBA basketball player, was crying during his Hall of Fame speech. That photo has been transplanted on various photos throughout the 
history, and uh, it just cracks me up. It's a stupid meme, Can't but it's that we're sitting here talking. But it's hilarious. It's funny. If you don't know, search it. Uh, look it up. It uh, it gives me a good chuckle every single time. So if you want to look at the bright side, look at the bright side. Speaking of fintech and well uh, before we switch anything else you have on the brexit no i mean you know like i said it's just something that we're going to be have to cover so if you have any thoughts you have any opinions on it you the listener um give us a call shoot us an email take a look at anthony's opinion piece i think he did a really good job of giving a thirty thousand foot view on like anthony said it's we're two years out now it's going to be two years before you know we're going to start to see changes come but there's still a lot that needs to take place for us to give like this is the immediate impact of it but uh, but I think Andy did a good job of giving a kind of thirty thousand foot quick quick overview of things. Uh, speaking of fintech and innovation labs, I on Thursday was at the uh, fintech. I was at the uh, fintech innovation lab demo day. Uh, it's in New York. Uh, it's the sixth annual one. This was at B of A's New York headquarters in One Bryant Park. Um, there were eight startups there. Of the eight, seven of them touched on the institutional space. Um, it Going hand in hand, I wrote a story about that. I'll, I'll provide the link. Going hand in hand with that, and you talk about Silicon Valley being the hub of fintech. Well, there was a report done by So Accenture and the Partnership Fund for New York City, hand in hand, in 2010, started this innovation lab, which is a 12-week mentoring program where basically they get fintechs and startups to come in, and they have big banks, asset managers, um, technology companies work with them. So... A report was put out called Fintech's Golden Age that showed in Q1, uh, $690 million flowed to New York um, in, for fintech venture uh, investing, whereas only $511 million uh, flowed to Silicon Valley in Q1 of 2016. A little bit of a shifting, changing in the guards. I spoke to Maria Ghosh, who's the, uh, I believe she's the CEO of the Partnership Fund for, for New York City, and she talked about how... Uh, really, the industry is recognizing that if outside of the retail space, if you're looking to break into the institutional space, the expertise, the domain knowledge, it's really on the street. It's really in New York. And there's going to be a shift of more and more fintechs um, coming to New York. How true that remains to be seen. Uh, but, you know, the proof's in the pudding right there with the funding numbers. Anthony, I mean, we don't have to get into the specifics. I mean, there's some interesting companies here. Um, if we, you know, I'll talk about that in a second. But what are your just thoughts on the shift of power? It seems a little bit from Silicon Valley to New York City. I I would imagine it's a bit overblown, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I'm sure there are plenty of fintechs that are starting up here in the city. But you know, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's it's interesting. I mean, New York City is always going to be a hub for basically everything. Um, but Silicon Valley is. It's such a different world than what New York City is. But don't you think there is something to be said for the fact that really to have that domain, because the, the capital markets are so much more complex than the retail space. The regulations are so much more complex that there really is something to be said for, for setting specialization. up... specialization. Yeah, For setting up st- shop where there's the experience and the... That does. That, that makes sense, yeah. Uh, just, you know, and this is... I'm going to give a little hat tip to you here. So of the eight... Uh, three of them were heavy on machine learning, artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, Anthony wrote a great feature. What was it six months ago? It was a while back, about six yeah. months ago, about machine learning, artificial intelligence, and uh, you know, Maria even said uh, that she believed this. You know, every year there's kind of a theme. This year's theme was 
machine learning, artificial intelligence. One was Qua Rule, which uh, automates uh, risk controls and compliance for certification. Another one was Syndicated Loan Direct, which extracts information from unstructured legal debt documents. Another one was Untapped, which is a, a data-driven hiring platform, kind of like a LinkedIn for hiring technologists. What are your thoughts on kind of the growth? You're seeing more and more machine learning now in a lot of these fintechs and up-and-comers. Yeah, I'm surprised that actually wasn't even more um, that, you know, of the eight that, you know, most of them weren't going to be, you know, heavily involved in machine learning. To me, that that's the most interesting place to be explored. Um, that and, uh, you know, the fixed income market, I would say, are you know, what I think are the two most interesting kind of developments as we've talked about in the past. But um yeah, I, I think that you said that, what was it, two of the firms are going to be blockchain? Two, yeah, AlphaPoint and Cambridge Blockchain were the two blockchain. So yeah, I figured you had to have a couple in there, but uh, what 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 company uh, jumped out to you the most? Uh, which, which one would you say that firm, uh, of the eight, you can only choose one, which one should uh, our listeners go and give a check out to? Oh, wow, putting me on the spot here. On well, spot. I'll tell you what. Who paid you so, the most money? Yeah, the right, <laughs> who, who offered to bring me out for drinks? Uh, syndicated loan direct. I apologize. I don't remember of uh, the the name of the woman that made the presentation. Very impressive. Uh, MIT graduate. Very impressive. And basically, so it extracts. I'm, I'll read it right here. The little blurb extracts information from unstructured legal debt documents using artificial intelligence to create financial metrics that drastically reduce analysis time, improve capital management, assist with quicker trading decisions, and increase liquidity. That's the biggest thing now in the space. It's Pulling out information from complex documents and putting it easable, re, re, easy, readable way. So it's these 200-page legal documents that might take 10 hours to read through. You have this AI that can kind of go through and weed out what you need and kind of go through, yes, it fits this requirement. It doesn't fit this requirement. That's something, it seemed like it was pretty far advanced. Um, that that kind of jumped out to me. The, the blockchain stuff, so Cambridge Blockchain was at uh, Santander uh, Innovation um uh, blockchain, you know, I wrote about them before, so I'd seen them before. Alpha Point was another blockchain thing, and then 51 Maps was about integrating applications, um, you know, in one central area. That's kind of like a UXP, which I wrote about. And then T Rex, that seemed like it was very early days. That was a platform around uh, risk analysis and valuation. Uh, yeah, that was Syndicate Loan Direct. I think that was one of the ones that really jumped out to me. I was I was quite impressed by what they were doing because again, it's it's these unstructured, thick legal documents. I want to ask you a question. The biggest thing that's standing out to me that I think is going to be a big impact, I wrote about this when I was up in Toronto, is when are the regulations really going to hit? Because I'm, I'm, there's so much money and there's so much funding and there's so much of a push behind fintechs, 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 partner with fintechs. And you see the banks in the background are kind of saying, all right, man, we have all these compliance requirements we have to meet. It's not really a fair playing field for us compared to these little guys. Do you think the bar is going to be raised on them? Are regulators, regulators going to come hard on them? Because they're dealing with people's data. They're dealing with some important things. Or are regulators going to be fearful of really hamstringing innovation and not going to want to put down the uh, the hammer, so to speak, on these, these fintechs as badly? I would think that, you know, it's, it's, I mean, God, that would be a step toward over-regulation, right? Um, there are already plenty of rules that oversee security, data protection for vendors, for fintechs. That are already in place. Um, I don't think anybody's clamoring to. Yeah, the banks are always gonna bitch and moan about sure. you know stuff like that. But they also have you know a staff of thousands. So you know, kudos mm -hmm. for you. Um, you're big. You you made it. You're big. You're successful, kid. You know. So I, I think that um 
I would be surprised if there was anything that was, you know, anything right now. There doesn't seem to be a need for it right now, in my opinion. Um, we have enough regulation as it is. Um, everybody's dealing with it. Uh, what you're going to find then is regulatory arbitrage. People taking their solution say, you know what, if the financial industry is going to come down on me like this, let me go and repurpose this for another industry. And that's the last thing that you want. Sure. Yeah. You definitely don't want to hamstring or limit imitate in innovation. There's so many great young companies out there right now. You don't want to stop them. Uh, you also went to an event of your own. You were at TSAM. Tell us a little bit about that. Yep. Um, so the annual New York uh, TSAM Congress and Expo. Um, it's an outstanding conference. I know it's a, it's a competitor of ours <laughs> in many ways. Um, and uh, so I apologize to our events team and sales team for you know giving them a plug. But uh, it is a good conference, and theirs is different than what we run. And I think that both can exist mutually and both offer very different things. Um, TSAM, if you've ever been, you know, it's you got five streams. It's it's very intimate. You know, you sit in these, like, small little rooms. Sometimes there'll be just a handful of people, maybe upwards of 20 people in the whole room. They dim the lights, some masseuse yeah, exactly. comes in and starts rubbing you down. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, you know, it was a good conference. Uh, I, I was only able to get there for, you know, part of the day um, because I was going out to watch uh, the Brexit results roll in and then in the morning had some uh, work to do here. Um, but I guess the, one of the more interesting uh, things I saw, um, uh, Henry Kravchenko, of, um, uh, he's a CTO at Mariner Investment Group, uh, he gave to your point about machine learning and data that's being created. He gave a great presentation on it. I'm going to try and write up a little something from that uh, for next week. But, you know, just to see just, you know, how firm, like he's a very cutting edge firm, how they're kind of now examining this sea of data and now these advancements in machine learning AI, the new possibilities that are created, new challenges too. Um, but what I thought was funny was at the event, you know, so, <laughs> this guy in the audience. So part of the, the thing of a good intimate crowd is, you know, you, you get some feedback from the audience. You, know, you get a little discussion mm -hmm. going. Sure, sure. Mix well, it guys up. Get, when a guy's giving a presentation, he's giving a good presentation. This guy kept on just jumping in, interrupting him. He's like, yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. It's like, bro. Nobody cares. Yeah, no one came. Your name's not on the billing. You know, let, let him keep on going with his point. You jump off topic. Um, but he, Henry handled it fantastic. Um, it's funny. That happened. Remember in Chicago? When we were in Chicago at the C-level panel, uh, they asked... They asked uh, the, the panelists a question, and then it was like, well, personally, my – dude, nobody cares personally what you're seeing on your side yeah. of things. They're the panelists. They're going to speak. If afterwards you want to grab a beer and talk to them, by all means. But all people that are sitting here didn't come to this event to see what Joe Schmo from Joe Schmo Firm wants to – you know, saying – that always cracks me up. Yeah, and then like when they just kind of, or they go off on just a crazy tangent, and you're like, my God, what is happening right now? Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll be writing up a couple stories from that, um, but uh, uh, good, good stuff uh, throughout the day uh, from what I saw, and yeah, I don't know, uh, that, that's about all I got right now. Once I write the actual stories, I'll have a better what, idea. It, it, you know, was it machine learning? What are the biggest, what were your biggest takeaways from the from the event? You can always kind of, you get a feel, you go to an event. I know it's tough because well, there's yeah. so many streams. <laughs> no, it is. So, it's funny because I'm, I'm sure we said it here, but and Dan knows this well, but I really, like, roll my eyes so much, like, when we talk about the importance of having business buying. Like, we had um, Bill on, and Bill gave a very good, detail of yeah, you can have the strategy and everything like that but it's all come on let's, let's not let's not shit on the guests that we just had no, I'm saying Bill did a good point. job <laughs> uh, and Bill said you know it's, it's you gotta have the execution 
um, you know, it was, it just had me, you know, so we're in a small intimate room and they had these, uh, guys that were, uh, chief technology and chief operating officers up there chatting and just about, you know, how they have to bring these units together or how, you know, many of these firms are trying to bring these two units together. So I guess that was most interesting was bringing tech and ops together, because if you bring tech and ops together, that'll make it more easy to, or that'll make it easier to, um, get business buy-in to, to kind of bring all technology and business together. You know, there's better overlap, better cohesion. But then the other point that was made was that, you know, for what works for one firm, you can't just pick that up and drop it into another firm. There's culture, there's all different kind of things that you got to worry about. So, you know, I guess that was probably the most interesting thing. Probably write up a little something about that later on. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, well, I guess you know it's a Friday. We're feeling pretty lazy. I don't yeah. know if there, I don't know if there's anything else to really touch on. I think we do. Hit on do you the... have any uh, thoughts on the NBA Finals there, Dan? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I wanted, I didn't want either team to win. I, uh, I don't <laughs> like LeBron. I don't care whether Cleveland stays Cleveland. But you know, I didn't, ca- I didn't. Why do I care if they get a title or not? I, I've been alive my my entire life. I've never seen my favorite team win a title. So what? Did, no, no one's throwing a parade. No one's crying for me. No one's making a thirty for thirty about my life. Um, I don't care that you know Cleveland's never had a title. And I thought it was very interesting to see the. Uh, I mean, we saw the destruction of a superstar. You know what? Bill was on here a week ago talking about how nobody has a higher approval rating than Steph Curry, and now. I mean, Bill jinxed them. Bill jinxed them. The Bill Murphy jinx. The Bill Murphy jinx. Uh, I mean, now I think, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. But, hey, the Knicks got D. Rose. Hopefully, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. They're going to get Kevin Durant. And uh, But now, man, this is the dead period. This I, I know we got Euro. What we want, do, do you have any opinion? What's your Euro pick now that we're in the knockout? We have a, we have a Euro pool going on in the office. Um, who's your Euro pick? Just, uh, you know, no one seems better than Germany right now. Their defense is too good. No one's scoring on them. I mean, that team, they all play together year-round. You know, they remind me of Spain, you know, what Spain was, you know, just kind of going through, the, except though where Spain won the Euros and then won the World Cup. You have Germany win the World Cup. Sure, no, know, sound Marching reasoning. through the Euros, so that's who I think. I I think Belgium's the most overrated team in the, in the world, really. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, they they lucked out. It's amazing how many good teams are on the bottom half of that bracket, and how the top half of that bracket is just devoid. Watch of... out for Croatia, man. Watch out for Croatia. exactly the fact that a team like Croatia, you know, or Belgium or something like that could make it to the finals. You know, that's Wales, interesting. But Wales. I uh, for my money, I don't know. I I got a good feeling about Italy, and that's not because of my Italian heritage, because I don't. I'm an American. I'm not an Italian. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Luigi Buffon. I just got a good feeling, man. This is good. This is his swan song. One he seems role. like such a good guy. He stood by Juve after all the. You know, he could have easily jumped ship and gone somewhere else, but he played when they got you know relegated and all the problems they had in Serie A. And uh, yeah, you know, he knows how to win. He's won a World Cup before, and I just feel like they're gonna. You know, get it done, park the bus when they need to, and win, win on PKs if they have to. But I don't know. Watch. They'll get knocked out in the first round now. <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah, I guess. So I guess that's it. Um, we will be back next Thursday. We'll be back Thursday on the regular schedule because we won't want to do a Friday because it's the uh, July 4th weekend. But uh, like you said, if you have any opinions on Brexit or anything else, shoot us an email. Give us a call. All our contact information is on the pod. But uh, other than that, we will uh, talk to you next Thursday.